Hi, and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and uh, good to be back to chat about what we've been reading, and uh, a lot of it consists in a certain 900-odd-page book. Which was amazing, and we can't wait to talk about it with all of you, but first, let's catch you up on what we have been reading. Joe, you start it. Well, because of that, there's not a whole lot else to tell. I have continued the Abraham Lincoln A Life series that I talked about last time by Michael Burlingame. It's a thick two-volume series in print, but in audio, it's like 12 volumes, so I think I'm on number four. Uh, Whichever one I'm on, it's the one that ends in 1855, and I'm just finishing that up, so... He's running for the Senate. He's more or less identifiable as himself at this point. Um, the uh, surprises are starting to be more and more scarce, although, again, the depth of this, it, it's an impressive biography. If you care about the guy, there's a lot of meat on this particular bone. So, Sounds good. Sounds very you. Yeah, well, the other one, I think I mentioned this. I have a ongoing project besides the presidential one where I'm reading the book Wilson, about, you guessed it, Woodrow Wilson, um, where I found an old, and it's not that old, maybe five years old, Esquire column on the 100 best baseball books. Now, a lot of these I had read, probably half of them, uh, but what I'm doing is going down the list and any of the ones I haven't read, I'm reading them. So I finished one, I probably was with too long, honestly, Baseball, The Early Years by Harold Seymour and Dorothy Seymour Mills. And it is truly a history of early baseball. I mean, we end in the 1900s here. uh, And that's not like the 1990s. No, I mean like 1906 or something like that. Um, It's exhaustive. It's well written. That said, I'm not sure I haven't read better books about baseball's uh, early years. It was fine, but uh, unlike most of the books on the list so far, I wasn't that blown away by it. It felt kind of like a, we need an old-timey baseball book here spot. So Those lists are hard. You can't win them all. Well, and it's hard for anybody to have read all of those. So Right, that's true too. That's that's the other thing I found myself wondering about. But in any case, it's an Elliot uh, Asimov novel now, um, which I had never heard of, but I started it yesterday, and it's been good so far. But... Anyway, you'll hear more of these. There have been uh, Only the Ball Was White, the great book about the Negro Leagues, which I've already read, the Bubblegum, Flipping, Trading, whatever. The, it's got a mile-long name, so, Brendan Boyd and, and Fred Harris. That's a masterpiece. What you're saying to us is that next time you're going to have a lot to talk about. Maybe. We'll see. I, I don't have any thousand-page books out there, although that Wilson book is 700 nod, so... And not quite as enthralling as Cormoran's Strike, but we'll <laughs> we'll postpone that for a minute. Tell us about uh, what you've been reading while I've driven you around in the car and otherwise. Well, yeah, actually, I looked at this list and I thought, okay, so for two weeks when I was not w- at work, I don't feel like I read very much, and I think it is because we went a lot of places, yeah. and I didn't read very much in the car. So anyway... The first one that I finished was The Wake Up Call by Beth O'Leary. I mentioned Beth O'Leary a little while ago on this podcast when I reread her book, The Flat Share. She writes romantic comedies. They are generally really good. Um, The Flat Share is my favorite. I really liked this one too, though. Um, I posted about it on Instagram, and I think I called the characters pleasantly aggravating because I liked them both, even when they did stupid things throughout it. This one took place um, in a hotel. It was two desk managers who 
are working in a struggling hotel. The finances are going down. The hotel may end up having to close. And one of the things that they do to try to help the hotel is they are going through the lost and found room. And as they find old rings, particularly uh. wedding rings that people have lost, they decide to try to find the owners. The first one that they find, the hotel receives a large reward, and suddenly the way that this could help the hotel becomes clear to them, and the owners of the hotel make it a competition between the two of them. You bring rich people in, conk them over the head, steal their jewelry, <laughs> and then restore it for a high price. Brilliant! Well, I'm guessing that's not quite it. But it was... Um, a, a, a funny book, a fun book, also just a book about self-awareness and understanding what it is that you really want. Um, also about not making assumptions. I don't know. It was just, it was a fun book to read. Then next two that I read are rereads. The first one is called Crafting a Life by Donald M. Murray. And this is a tiny, thin little book about writing that I had to track down after I started hearing about um, Donald Murray's work everywhere. He's just a really interesting man. He was a columnist for a newspaper for a very long time. He wrote several novels. He just did a lot of writing. His whole life was writing. And so this book talks about his process in writing essays, poetry, novels, um, about ways to get published. It's an old book by now, but every time I read it, I just really like his voice. I like the way that he thinks about writing. It's not a slow read at all, maybe like a hundred pages. I stuck it on the coffee table and I'd read a few pages every morning while I was drinking my coffee. Um, and it was just kind of a nice little shot of nostalgia and inspiration um, on ways to be a better writer. Then the next one that I reread was Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. Talked about her a million times on here. Talked about this book before. It's also another one that I just stuck on the coffee table and that's been my habit lately to have three or four extra books that are not really my typical nonfiction <laughs> and fiction rotation that I always keep. But when I'm having coffee in the mornings, I'll just pull that little stack over and I'll read a little bit of each one. And they're usually books that are kind of inspirational or books that I want to think about a little bit more. So that little habit has worked well for me. Then I read Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come by Jessica Pan. <laughs> Great title. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. The cover, cover of the book is wonderful too. It's got um, a cake with candles in it. It's just, and the, the title is written on the cake. Hmm. Um, I think the subtitle is something like An Introvert's Year of Saying Yes. So Jessica Pan talks at great length about how she is a shy introvert. All the things that you associate with introverts definitely apply to her. Um, and she decided one day, realized one day that in young adulthood, everybody that she was friends with had moved far away. And it's her and her husband still living in London, but all of her close friends were gone and now she has no friends in London. And her introvert self had been okay with that for a while, but eventually even an introvert gets lonely. So she decided to see what she could learn from what extroverts do and see if any of that stuff could enrich her own very introverted life. So she did, she looked at things like how to throw a dinner party, uh, doing improv, doing stand-up comedy. Ouch, that, ooh. She did all kinds of things, but it's all started out with learning to do deep talk, how to get away from the small talk we engage in every day that doesn't get us any deeper with anybody else. Honestly, I thought this book was hilarious. I also thought it was inspiring. And for somebody who is also incredibly introverted, myself, um, I thought there was just really a lot to learn about it. Not that I don't want to be an introvert. There are many, many books written about the gifts of being introverted as well. It's not sure. a bad way to be. 
But everybody needs to push yourself out of your comfort zone from time to time. Learn from other people. Let your life be enriched. I was really impressed by how her life changed throughout the course of this book. Well, and the whole kind of fake it till you make it uh, mm-hmm. element is always interesting because, you know, that's whatever your deal is when you're a kid. That's the first, you know, well, you want to be that? Be that. You yeah. know, go just do that. Well, that seems hard, but not necessarily. Well, and basically what she decided was she didn't want to live a life of fear. And so there are all these things she was afraid of doing. Let's do them. Let's see how bad it could be. I would be horrified to stand up. Gosh. <laughs> she was too. <laughs> I mean, funny people like get destroyed. Oh, <laughs> I kind of want to read it now just to, to read that story. That's... It was a great book. Really, really good. Highly recommend it. And then the last one that I read is called The Last Quintista by Donna Barba Higuera. And uh, I think that's how you say that last name. No. And this one was recommended to me by our daughter, who was on uh, a previous podcast with us just a couple of episodes ago. This was one of her favorite books uh, the year that she picked it up, and she's kept it forever and been recommending it to me, and so I finally picked it up and read it, and it was as wonderful as she said it would be. It is kind of a science fiction story in that it is set in the future. The idea is that Halley's Comet is about to actually hit Earth. Something has uh, rerouted it, and, and everyone here knows it's coming. And so there is a chance on a few spaceships to get out. Mm-hmm. And this young lady, her name is Petra, and her family are going to get out. But she has mixed feelings about it because getting out, going to this new planet of Sagon requires her to leave her elderly grandmother behind, the one who has told her stories all of her life and has promised Petra that she will be a Quintista, like her grandmother. She will hold the stories for future generations. I see. When she gets on this ship, the idea is that they will all be put into stasis and um, kind of have <laughs> every school kid's dream, the knowledge that they will need, like, downloaded into their minds and she is also going to have stories because they're allowed to have something that they love too but as they get on the ship as they are trying to leave things go horribly wrong and she is the last one of the passengers who is able to see some of this before she is also put into stasis when she comes back out of it she still has some of her memories but nobody else does and she is the last quintista the last one who holds the stories and understands what has gone wrong and holds the imagination and again those stories that have the possibility to make it right it was a gorgeous book with really really cool twists power of young women i thought it was fantastic anything natalie tells me i should read i'm going to read and the only Sadness I have with this is that I didn't read it sooner. Man, yeah, I maybe should be listening too. I, uh, wow, that, that sounds pretty profound. I'll have to check it out. It was amazing. But that brings us to our shared read, which we've been waiting to talk about and have been talking to each other about for two weeks now. Yeah. And it's called The Running Grave by Robert Galbraith. Of course, Robert Galbraith is J.K. Rowling. And this is a uh, pseudonym to craft a series of mysteries that involve a detective hero named Cormoran Strike and his able assistant, Robin Ellicott. Um, there's always some unresolved sexual tension between the two of them. Robin is a lady. Uh, and that continues here. They're always these incredibly intricate, complicated mysteries that give rolling 
slash Galbraith, however you want to think of it, an excuse to craft that world of characters uh, that is, you know, anybody who who read any of the Harry Potters knows that. Um, but, But it's a very different milieu, more adult, definitely a lot creepier, uh, and, and but a, but astonishing. A wider range of characters, from Shanker, the criminal that he knows, um, who roams London's underground, to the richest counts and earls, whoever, who yeah. hire him to look up cases. This one's centered around a religious cult in the English countryside, which you hear about a cult, and they talk about this in the book. It's easy sometimes just to say, okay, well, everybody's not like me. They do things their way. I do things my way. But this one has a lot of sinister undertones. And Strike and Robin get involved with it when a father comes to them looking for them to help him get his son out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, by nature, you're going to have to take a little more of a deep dive. But yeah, you you hit on one of the real themes of the book, which is that sometimes maybe we discount weirdness as just weirdness. When in fact, weirdness can often be affiliated with or covering for something darker. We and, have to look uh, at what things really are. Yeah. Go past our assumptions. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things here. Um, you know, the, the, this is what, seven books in the series? This is the seventh one, yeah. So a couple of things. Some people have said, oh, do I need to read the others? Well, you don't have to. You probably should. It, it would give you a little bit better grounding in the characters. I saw our friend Haley on Instagram who said, if you haven't read any of them, this is not the one I'd tell you to start with. No, I I really wouldn't. Maybe even if you just like read the first one and then read this. I don't know that you have to do it sequentially, although they're all good in different ways. Yeah, and they they really do. I mean, it's not Harry Potter where Mm -mm. where it would really just be kind of absurd to dive in halfway through. But at the same time, there there is if it's not a, a nine or a ten on a one to ten scale of how important is it to have the backstory, it's probably a six or a seven. It's very significant. I just she does a good job giving backstory with each one enough so that each book could stand on its own. You would not be lost. You'd still be able to understand the whole story of the cult and what happens with it and who Strike and Robin are. It you really would understand this particular story but you would have missed a great deal of the growth of these characters Mm -hmm. and just honestly this is going to sound weird considering that this series is about murders almost always and really gory ones sometimes but you would have missed like the beauty of the storyline one of the things that you and I talked about as we were reading this book was how much everybody's always eating something it's just a side note here, but there are lots of little things like that. The way that food is woven into the entire series. Or drinking something, yeah. his Dumbar that he uh, that he loves. And the um, the way that place is so central to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the descriptions that she has of the place, whether they're in uh, a sketchy part of London or they're out in the countryside You do get somewhere. out in the country a fair amount, yeah. Everything is, is perfect, and it's not... Charles Dickens, like you're going to get pages and pages of description of landscape. It's just enough, and it's perfect to center you there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good things you miss if you don't read the whole series. So another one is, is it too gross or gory? I will say some of these novels, if they're not, they they walk 
pretty darn close to that line. I didn't think this was one. No, this this, this was, was not. probably not the most tame of the seven, but it might be number two or number three if it's not. It, it you know, again, it, yeah. it's more about creepy people doing mind control than than flesh and gore. Although there's like some the disquieting second stuff. And third ones were the more gory ones. Yeah, there, there's the one in particular. But then she didn't really go back deeply into the gore after that so much. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, aspect. this one was. It had some disquieting moments. This is not a cozy mystery. This is gonna be pretty stark sometimes. Yeah. But if you like a good mystery, um, and if you like the the old um, detective series that used to be able to follow for book after book after book, this is in that same kind of line. It really is. Um, and ultimately, you know, then. Well, is it the best one? I don't know. That's that's impossible. It's you know? so good, though. But if it's not, it's, it's one right of the there. Best ones. Yeah, it, it's oh my it's gosh, more complete ending. than a lot of them. Yeah, and maybe it's because uh, Galbraith slash Rowling is doing that thing that Rowling does of of having go back and and look at those Harry Potter books on the shelf. Everyone's a little bit thicker than the one before, and at nine hundred and forty yeah. fifty pages, I mean. We're delving pretty deep into these characters, um, so... Well, you know, you and I bought the first five, and then we didn't buy the sixth or the seventh because we both said, we don't reread these. But by the time the seventh one finally came out... You kind of want to reread it, don't you? I kind of want to reread them, yeah. yeah. And then I watched the, the, the TV series they've got on Max. I watched the first one with you. The first one's really good. It was good. I did some more, and I wasn't as impressed, but it, it's a noble effort anyway. Um, if you, you really love them, you'll find it interesting anyway. Yeah. I get the, um, whenever I think about it, I get that closing song that they played when he walked out stuck in my yeah, head. Yeah, the one that's the faces. Wish yeah. that I knew what I know yeah. now. Whatever it is. Um, Sorry, no copyright violation intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that book was really good. And if you haven't read any of those books, they are definitely worth a shot. Yeah. So we went in a totally different direction for our next shared read. We're jumping back into nonfiction. Yeah, totally out of left field. You read me a couple chapters of this book and I thought it's great. But you're reading it, and you've got it uh, electronically. I couldn't find it anywhere electronically. I mean, you're you're always kind. You're like, you, you just read use it my on Kindle. here. But I hate to do that. And then I was at Ollie's, and I found it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the fickle finger of fate saying, here is your next joint read. Uh, so I uh, have only gone as far as you have taken me, so you're probably 30% further in. But neither of us has finished it, but so far. Really enjoying this and looking forward to finishing it and then talking about it. And it is called I Take My Coffee Black. It's by Tyler Merritt. The subtitle is something like uh, Thoughts on Tupac, Faith, Musical Theater, and Being Black in America. I think I mixed up. They're out of order, but it's all those kinds of things. <laughs> well, the last one is largely what the book is about, but... Uh, it's about himself and his life. Yeah. It's a series of essays that build through Tyler Merritt's life. He is his hysterical so funny but the essays are also incredibly engaging we'll tell you more about them in two weeks once you've gotten a chance to read more of the book but really each essay that I've read has just been every bit as good as the last they're thought-provoking they're inspiring and we cannot wait to tell you more about it yeah I think this is a keeper but we'll uh, we'll report back with it in a couple of weeks in the meanwhile if you've got something that we should be reading, or if you have some thoughts about Running Grave, 
or you know maybe give us a week before you share any thoughts on Tyler Merritt, but uh, or anything else, feel free to reach out, and Julie's going to tell you exactly how you can do that. She was looking at me as if to say, "You you know all this? I have no clue, <laughs> but you know all of this, and I'm setting you up." So there you I go. I really really thought you were going to do it. Okay. I could have absolutely astonished you, but I have failed. <laughs> you can email us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter X on X at pbackreaderspod. So, that aside, maybe I didn't know all that, but I just wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> Whatever else you're up to, and I hope everybody's having a good fall, make sure there's a book in it. Keep reading, for goodness sakes. Y'all take care.